Welcome to Centering, the Asian American Christian Podcast. I'm Eleanor Balon. And I'm Jay Katanis. This season, we're exploring Filipino American Christian experiences from a variety of perspectives. Thanks for joining us. everyone, you are listening to Centering, the Asian American Christian Podcast. This is a special season on Philippinex American issues in faith, psychology, leadership, and beyond. My name is Eleanor Balon, and this is my co-host. Hello, this is Gabriel J. Katanis. Joining us from Chicago. Now today, we are also joined and lucky to have Ate Lisa Espinelli Chin joining us. She is a little bit of a matriarch for many of us in the Filipino Christian community. It's true. Amen. And for those of you who may not know her, let me tell you a little bit about her prolific career. So uh, Lisa Spinelli Chin is a leadership and ministry coach. She's a cross-cultural trainer and a missions consultant. She's served as national director of international student ministry for InterVarsity in the U.S. for 14 years. So that was from 2000 to 2014. Uh, and Lisa also shares her rich and varied background as a former international graduate student um, at Wheaton College in Illinois, uh, where she got her master's in communications. And she also worked uh, as a staff worker with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship in the Philippines. Um, but for those of us who know her, we've seen her speak at conferences, um, heard her in podcasts, seen her in videos, but she's a Bible teacher. She's a pioneer for several different types of ministries in the Philippines, as well as the U.S. She's also a chic world traveler. Ate Lisa's hair is always perfect. Mm. <laughs> yes. And I admire that. <laughs> you always look so good, Ate Lisa. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're an author, you're a speaker. There's there's so much that I could say. Um, this obviously cannot sum up all that you have done and all that you mean to so many people, um, including just you know being a leader in your own family. Right. Uh, but I did want to share a story about the impact that you had on me, Atelisa, because I I worked for InterVarsity um, for about ten tenish years. I was with InterVarsity for. A total of like 14 years and where I met Jay uh, was in 2016 at a Filipino student leadership conference he and I were on a panel together there but you spoke at um, the conference or like the day before the conference started to get us all um, who were there working to get us all revved up and fired up and inspired mm. you were the pre-conference speaker and there was a quote that you shared. I, I don't speak Tagalog, so I'm not uh, going to try to attempt it, <laughs> but you probably will be able to share the the, the phrase. But it, it, you shared this saying that was basically translates to when your blanket is short, learn to curl up. Do you know? Mm. Do you remember what I'm talking yes, about, doctor? Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah, yes. Yes. Yeah, so when the blanket is short, learn to curl up. And so that was something that helped me to realize that, or a lesson that I got from that was that a lot of Filipinos can learn to make something comfortable, can learn to have warmth in a situation um, by being creative, by being adaptable, um, and maybe also by hmm. being able to laugh at our situation a little bit. Um, if we have those skills, we can you know, make, make ourselves comfortable in any type of situation. And so that's something mm, that has stuck with me um, mm. since then. <laughs> and uh, I'm, for those of you who are psych students and those of you who are not, I am currently in a season where I'm applying for internship placements. For those of you who know what that means, it's a very grueling process that takes basically a year to like apply and get into this. It's a whole thing. I'm not even going to go to it because I'm going to stress myself out. But part of what that means is that I have to write several essays and talk about myself a lot. And so one strategy that they always tell us to do is to have some sort of thread that goes through our essays to describe who we are as psychologists, mm. who we've mm. become. 
And That's so cool. I always lead with that story. It's like, I learned this story from Atelisa at a Filipino leadership conference. And the lesson of being adaptable, being creative and being warm is what has informed all of my work and development as a psychologist. So that's my long-winded way of saying, thank you, Atelisa, for sharing that mm. very helpful image. It has stuck with me and it has shaped me um, into the psychologist that I am today. So wow. just so grateful for your leadership. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. In fact, I have that quote on my notes. Thank you. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. So we'll touch on it again. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. As Eleanor said, we are really grateful to have you. And this is a little bit of a different conversation than some of our other podcast episodes, because both Eleanor and I happen to know you already. And I was really grateful for what you shared, Eleanor. I appreciate that so much. And I didn't know that, even though we're friends. And Atalisa, (laughs) I'm going to share this, even though you've heard me tell this story and maybe Eleanor also remembers. I actually met Atelisa in 2009. She came and preached at a Filipino-American youth conference that we held. Mm-hmm. My brothers and I had organized it called the Regeneration Conference. This was our 2009 conference at Wheaton College. And I was so blessed by the things that she shared, but also appreciative of hearing Atelisa speak so many things that put language to our struggles as second generation Mm. Filipino Americans. Mm. Now, the following year, 2010, I went through a very difficult breakup and I was in a lot of pain. It was very, very difficult for me and a time that I did not know whether I would make it out of that experience. Atelisa and her husband, Leighton, made time for me, even though we had not known each other very well. We sat down at a coffee shop. They listened to me lament. They shared some of their story, much of which I remember. And it really helped me to be able to sit with them and to hear their wisdom. And I think that was an instrumental part of my healing. Mm -hmm. I often share that when I have the chance because we're often in front of young adults and I think also to how my wife and I are about to celebrate 10 years of marriage. We have two wonderful children, Uh, but more than that, the healing and the growth that has come. I feel like I would not be where I am if not for people like you, Atelisa, and specifically Mm -hmm. you being one of them. I'm just so grateful that now we get to share your voice. You know that I'm being relentless in having other people hear you whether at Fuller or beyond. Amen. And so thank you for being here. Eleanor has a very important question before we ask you for more about yourself. Yes, a very important question, Atelisa. We would like to know what your favorite Filipino dish is. (laughs) Okay, well, I have to stop from crying. You two are making it difficult for me to even speak. I mean, like, and and I think this is important, uh, what you just shared, is that we meet people at those intersections and we we will never know what God will do with those intersections. And and I'm I'm almost in tears just remembering, remembering exactly what you talked about, Eleanor, and exactly the coffee shop that Jay uh, mentioned. It's just that, wow, God, you were there. So Mm. my heart is full of gratitude just for who God is and who God is in your lives now. So Mm. thank you. But back to that very important question. Oh, I thought about this (laughs) because I I listened to other podcasts and said, oh my goodness, got to prepare. Yes, it has to definitely be the Filipino tapa. Tapa Mm. is the beef sirloin uh, thin that is fried, seasoned with salt and a little Mm. bit of sugar. And it's the comfort food of all Espinales in my family, whether it's my sisters or my children, they just shriek, it's tapa, you know. (laughs) Um, But on the 
uh, very close to it is the sinigang shrimp sinigang you know mm. uh, so every time i have a chance and you know with others of you who live in california i envy you because of all those filipino restaurants that yes yes but yeah that, that's my answer wonderful well that was very important and now we're all hungry but <laughs> yes. we have several questions that we're eager to explore with you. And I know that you've recently retired. For those who cannot see me, I'm putting retired in quotes with my fingers, <laughs> air quotes, because the work of your ministry is simply transitioning to a new season and expression. You're not necessarily <laughs> quitting anything, although you're, you're definitely deserving a lot of rest and a new stage, I think, of, of balancing your work and other things. But you've recently retired from 50 years in campus ministry. Is that correct? Yes, combined ministries, yes. This is a season of this podcast devoted to Filipino and Filipino-American experiences, especially within the Christian community. And I would love to hear if you might share what would be similar and what would be different between ministry in the Philippines and ministry in the United States? Yeah, I think the obvious thing is, you know, ministry in the Philippines, you're ministering among your own people. Hmm. Ministry in the U.S. is you're crossing this gap of culture and expectations. Back in the Philippines, you know the, the rules, you know the uh, cultural nuances, uh, if you're new in American culture, of course, you have to navigate those, you know, sometimes treacherous path of understanding Americans. At the same time, what's similar is you're a leader in both places and you need to understand your context. All mm. the time, you're understanding uh, where you are and what you're leading for. So when I uh, became director of international student ministry within a varsity, I, because my perspective is, is um, cross-cultural, so I'm entering it like a culture. Hmm. So what does it mean to be a leader in another culture? What do I need to know about this culture? So that would be the same with the Philippines, whether it's college students are my, is my culture or young people. So you will always have to have that um, clear understanding of who you are leading and why hmm. and what for. A lot of our listeners are people who are in ministry or our training for pastoral ministry or for the work of counseling and therapy. Mm -hmm. And so we might ask a few questions about this, but especially among people like Eleanor and myself, we, we look to you as a leader, as a model for us. And you've heard both of us sharing just short snippets of our experiences with your leadership. And I would love if you would share wisdom that you have for Filipino-American Christians who might be entering into leadership roles, especially mm -hmm. within, say, a church context or in a spiritual leadership role. What advice would you give to them as they enter in? Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that question, Jay. I would say kind of a baseline. Leadership is a gift because it begins with a posture hmm. of gratitude and humility. So it's not something hmm. I deserved, you know, because being something that you deserve could become a runaway entitlement hmm. or something I desired for so long, you know, it can become an un unholy ambition. Hmm. So when you begin with leadership, as a gift, it really puts you in a place of humility that, wow, I'm still amazed. You know, I sit among these bright staff workers within university, or I mm -hmm. speak at Urbana, or I find myself in those places, and I'm still awed. I said, Lord, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. How did I yeah. get here? So when we have that sense of wonder, it takes away our temptation to be in the center of things. Hmm. So that would be the start. 
That's good. Actually, I think your series of sermons at the Urbana Conference, I forget which year that that was. Do you remember? Yeah, 2003. 2003, yeah. That was the reason why my brothers and I knew that you were the, the speaker we really wanted to have come to our Filipino-American youth conference, which would happen six years later. Um, I would encourage any of our listeners to go and find those sermons. I think they're on Vimeo and you can listen to those and be really, really blessed. Uh, you shared about one of your experiences in one of those sermons about meeting a king. And I just found that to be so insightful. I don't want to spoil it, but would you recall some of that for us? <laughs> sure. I think that as leaders, it's just what you shared in that story was yes. really impactful for, for me as I was entering into leadership at the time. Right. I shared about my trip to Europe. I was in Switzerland with Filipino America, Filipino uh, expatriates. So we were having a conference only for Filipinos. And so I was curious about what the Filipinos did. You know, do you have a German Filipino, German speaking Filipino? You have kids who were speaking, you know, French. I mean, these are all Filipinos, mm -hmm. you know. And so one of them said that he he worked for the king. He she didn't identify who because it's not appropriate, you know, and to keep confidence. So I just pressed on and asked her, what, what was it like to work for a king? Did you actually meet him? Never did, really, except one time. Okay, tell me about, so I was so excited. Tell me about how you met the king. Well, we were housed in a hotel. We could only come and he's ready for us, you know, so all the protocol procedures were, were, were followed. And then that one day, when she was released from her room, the person helping her prepare to meet the king said, you only say three words. Yes, your majesty. You don't mm. disagree. You don't share your opinion. That's all you're going to say. And so that's what she did. She met the king. And all she said that came out of her mouth were three words. Yes, your majesty. And at that time, we were talking about Jesus and his kingdom as our theme for Urbana. And what appropriate response mm -hmm. from us. And I still say that to myself and others who remember it. Lisa, we remember, yes, your majesty. You know, it's not the language you're familiar with, but that's the language mm -hmm. that is appropriate for King Jesus. Hmm. I love that. I know Eleanor had a question in mind, so. Yes. I love that story. Uh, my first Urbana was 2006. So I'm going to have to go back and look for the 2003 <laughs> Vimeos yes. so I can hear that story. But something else that has um, stood out to me from what you said, Atelisa, was um, that part of, part of leadership, part of being a disciple of Jesus is keeping that wonder. And so I was wondering if you could say a little bit more about how you did that for yourself, how you kept that wonder. Um, since the last few years of ministry have been tough, really hard for people with the unprecedented, just unprecedented times, uh, racial unrest, social justice issues being pushed forward, the pandemic, I would just love to hear um, what did wonder look like for you as you were still leading in this time? You know, I'm I'm a person who is, you know, the, the glass is always half full. Hmm. I'm always the kid who, you know, like bouncing off, you know, wanting something, a lot of energy. So there's a lot of looking for the positive things, looking for something to celebrate. Even if it's a small progress, it's something to celebrate. I think it's in that context of saying that, but look, it's it's hard, but look, there's always mm -hmm. the other the other side to things. You know, even with uh, the pandemic and the difficulties we had, in fact, that's when I was going to talk about in Tagalog, pag maiksi ang kumot, matutong mamalukot. When the bed sheet there is short, is. learn right. to curl up. <laughs> and and it, it's when you're curling up that you you are freed from 
from the anxiety because you're still provided with warmth. But I think living in our culture now, especially in the US, if your bed sheet is short, you sue. You sue, you know, you complain, you go yeah. to the front desk, you go to the, who is in charge, you know, like, instead of, okay, this is what I have, what, how can I make the most of it? And I think it is mm. in that entering that, that area of how can I make the most of it, that wonder mm. be, starts to seep in, you know, as you are being creative, Oh, look at that. I mean, I know it's hard. I know it's the pandemic, but look, I got to try some new dishes. I got to all the list of things that were the left-handed complement of a very difficult global, you know, grief and sadness. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that you already had the short blanket uh, story ready for today, Lisa, because it, yeah, it, it is so important. And as I mentioned before, the idea of short, short blanket living, what I'm calling short blanket living is this idea that, you know, I can live my life as a Filipina, but there's something unique about that in a way that's creative, in a way that's adaptable, in a mm -hmm. way that's warm. And that that will get me through a lot of situations that that has gotten us through a lot of situations. I think I even recognize that I learned how to do that from watching my parents, you know, who immigrated from the Philippines and came over here and they made a lot out of short blanket situations mm. <laughs> and, and just made something wonderful out of out of very little. And I'll share one story. This is coming to mind. Uh, we'll see if we keep it in the episode later, but it's a special story to me that reminds me of that. And my mom, one of the first jobs that she got when she US was, um, she worked at a warehouse. And one day, like they were just giving away, or I don't know, they were going to throw away all of this bubble wrap. And <laughs> so, I mean, you know, she decided to bring it all home and then she laid it out on the garage floor. And then she mm. woke me and my brother up early before school started. And we're grumpy. We're like, why are you waking us up early? Like, we already have to be up so early. But she's like, just come downstairs. I have something for you. Aww. And uh, she opened the garage door and there's just bubble wrap all over the place. And so we all just started <laughs> jumping and oh. popping and we had so much fun. But yeah, I love my mom. Shout out to my mom if you're listening to this. But <laughs> uh, I, I think to me that is one but one manifestation of what short blanket living could look like. Mm -hmm. um, it's just mm -hmm. that creativity. It's making something out of nothing. Yes. Do you have any, I don't know, any other examples of what that has looked like for you? I'm sure Jay has, has a story or two on that. But I think just to interject here, uh, the word pivot, pivot became the key word when the pandemic hit. I said, I've not heard that used. And all of a sudden, everybody's using it. And it mm -hmm. is pivot is the ability to turn, mm -hmm. to turn quickly when necessary pivot, you know? Um, and I said, that's exactly the picture also of the short blanket is to learn to pivot, to learn to make. And, and there's an article actually that uh, uh, is titled uh, Pliant as a Bamboo. That is our trait as Filipinos, mm -hmm. rooted and grounded, but we don't break. We bend, bend real hard and then back and bend. But we mm. never lose who we are because we are grounded. Our roots are solid. So pliant like a bamboo. And even when, when, when things are hard, we, we make the most of it. You mm. know, like, well, just moving to Wisconsin. I mean, 
who in their right minds, I mean, I love Wisconsin, okay, I just don't want people, but you would think my husband and I are two islanders, you know, digging into this ice and snow and say, what have I done? What did I hear God's call? Was this a mistake? And I'm freezing. And yet to say, God, you know, look, we've got uh, the energy, we've got snowblower, what can we be grateful for? So instead of mm. wallowing in, in self-pity or feeling sorry for yourself, you pivot, you, you curl up, you, you learn to make the most of what you have uh, in that situation. And that's a solid Filipino trait. My, my dad built our first house from wood that he took down from the military barracks of the wow. US government. Okay, so our house is a mismatch of all this wood. And he would say, oh, that came from the barracks. That came from that army. And wow, I said, what? You know, they were given nothing, and yet they were, and that's part of being resourceful. Like your mom, I love your mom. I mean, I would have I taken, love my mom too. I, would have, I would have taken those bubble, bubble wrap myself and, and jumped Aww. with my kids. Yeah. Oh. Okay, now I'm going to cry, <laughs> <laughs> but I will, I will hold it back. But yes, I, I love this idea that you're, you're talking about, Atelisa, the bamboo, um, the being pliant and being able to pivot. It relates a lot to these ideas in psychology about resilience or psychological yes. flexibility. Yes. And so, yeah. you know, we don't have time to get into what that looks like or how we become psychologically flexible, but it's this idea that we can hold more loosely the structures, the schemas with which we see the world. Um, a classic example of that is um, you know, and it's it's a type of person, someone who's psychologically flexible, is someone who is able to see the rain and say, okay, yeah, it's raining, <laughs> you know, instead of, oh, I have to go put my, you know, boots on and I hate the rain and now I have to do all this and change. You know, it's this idea, it's like we can kind of more easily um, flow with with the ebb of ebb and flow of life and, and accept things as they come and leave us. It's a lot easier said than done. I acknowledge that. Mm. But this idea that uh, there is something healthy about being able to be flexible and pliant, as you were saying, resilient mm -hmm. to the wind and the movement, just like bamboo. As I had mentioned earlier, I've been thinking about the short blanket idea. I've been thinking about these ideas for a while as I've been fleshing them out into my story as I'm writing them in my essays, preparing for my internship application. So I've been thinking about a lot of this. And one of the things that when I was speaking with a friend that she kind of gave me this different perspective on the short blanket living and asked me a question was in, in learning to pivot and learning to curl up, to adapt to the situation, isn't that making you smaller? Isn't that teaching you, Eleanor, to become smaller? And that was an interesting question for me, I think especially as a woman and as a, mm -hmm. a leader who is a woman of color, that's something that I'm trying to unlearn is mm -hmm. you know, making myself smaller in certain spaces um, or trying to just slightly change how I appear or how I see things. And I'm trying to change that and unlearn a lot of that stuff. But it was this interesting idea that, yeah, I don't, I, I want to take up more space, right? I want to, I want to take, it's, I want to, you know, on the flip side of adaptability is, is standing my ground or taking up the space that I deserve to take up. And so I think that that's, something that I'm learning and I think a lot of um, women leaders of color are are learning and so I just want to hear from you Atelisa like what is your wisdom that you can impart to other Filipina or Asian American women specifically who are leaders of color and might be serving in um, predominantly white institutions like how how can we take up our space um, and then maybe you can talk about how did you survive? How did you thrive um, <laughs> in the different arenas that you were in? Very good question, Eleanor. Let me just go back to the comment that your friend said, you know, because yes, that's yes. the flip side, is that you shrink because you're curling up. Mm -hmm. When, But you can also see it as, see it as very empowering. 
It's it's it, you have you regain your agency. Hmm. They, you know, you're not the victim here. I'm going to make something out of what's happening around me. So in a sense, you are taking control. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you increase in size, not physically, obviously. Mm -hmm. You increase in your ability to see yourself in light of the situation. Mm. Okay. Um, So uh, I think with my life in in leadership, um, I am on the petite side. And uh, it's easy to think I have nothing to offer, but I also know that God has given me certain abilities and certain gifts. So I think it's in being faithful in what God has called me to do to in being competent. So that, I mean, when I think of um, other people who may easily be overlooked, like well, Mother Teresa is shorter than me, okay? But why Why is she, why does she have such big space? Hmm. It, it's because of what she made of her life, you know? So I think sometimes we think it's one thing we have to do in order to prove ourselves, hmm. because leadership, when I look at it, is not about proving ourselves. The Christian leader is about proving who God is mm-hmm. in the presence of other people. That's good. You know, I'm not out there to, hey, I'm going to prove to them that as small as I am, I can blah, blah, blah. You know? and, and God, and I tried to do this, actually, when when the former president, longtime president of university called a meeting and explained to the staff why Lisa is being asked to expound scripture. I was shocked. Why does he have to tell the staff? Why does he have to justify my being asked to preach? And my Filipina side is, boy, in the Philippines, that will never happen. You know, like I'm I'm kind of wondering what's going on here. I'm in America and I'm being questioned for, I mean, the staff, not the president. The president invited me. And so after that conversation, my immediate and sinful response was, I'm gonna prove to these guys, you know, this will be this will be the best exposition they will ever hear. Mm. And before I can sure, even sure. I could even expand on that, you know, wrong idea, the Holy Spirit tapped me and said, uh-uh, Lisa, you're not here to prove anything. You're mm-hmm. here to obey me. So get yourself going and study as, as much as you can and tell them what you see from the word of God. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's easy to uh, occupy a space. And I always encourage my Filipino-American friends, students, hey, whatever space you have, fill it up. Mm. whatever Mm. space you have fill it up if you have a small space and you're shrinking in the corner that's not filling up the space fill up every space that god gives you Mm. and you will make a difference so that's so that's that's something that i carry with me and i'm not always good at okay well that guy has a bigger space i don't have and said okay this is the space you have fill it up be the best, make the most, and then your reputation will go before you. Because mm-hmm. look, she was given two and she made 20 out of that, you know, in terms of productivity, in terms of good uh, leadership, or in terms of good products, you, you're right there. Hmm. I There are a few things I want to say in response to that. The first is I want to just highlight what just happened, Atelisa, that you demonstrated to us uh, good spiritual leadership, <laughs> that you mm-hmm. yep. were so willing to share um, 
you know, your inner thoughts, your inner world say, you know, you had this moment where you were like, I'm going to show them, you know, I'm going <laughs> to, they're going to give me this platform. I'm going to show them I'm the bomb.com, you know, and I think that those are very, wow. I mean, you, you are the bomb.com. Um, but, you know, I think that those thoughts are so relatable, you know, like, I'm just, I'm going to show them, like, you know, I'm going to show up and I'm going to blast everything out the water and just show them how awesome I am. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I just appreciate appreciate that you shared that with us as a leader. It's, it's, it's vulnerable type of leadership, I think, that we are thirsty for in mm. our society. Mm. But that brings me to, you had like several one-liners I feel like we can take from <laughs> that, that story you just told. But one of the one-liners is leadership isn't about trying to prove ourselves. Leadership is trying to prove um, who God is, right? In the, in the presence of other people. Um, but in the way that we lead, in the way that we show up, this is how we demonstrate who God is and, and God's work in the world. And that's that's just something so beautiful that I think is related to this idea of what we're talking about, not just in today's podcast, but in it's a general theme I think that's been coming up in the podcast is this idea of how do we as Filipino Americans show up as ourselves? especially when all of the paradigms that we've been given have not necessarily looked like us um, or have not had yes. been, you know, quite the right shape for us. Um, it reminds me of a conversation that um, Jay actually had with another guest, uh, Willie Jennings. I wasn't able to be there for that particular show, but Dr. Jennings was talking about sharing, changing our paradigms of what beauty looks like. And so for me, I think that that's something that's relating right now is changing our paradigms of what leadership looks like. Uh, Talisa, you're saying, you know, like, you know, maybe I'm small in stature, but you don't seem small in my head, <laughs> you know, like mm. you, you take up, like, you fill up all of the space that is given to you, even if it's a, a stadium full of thousands of people um, at Urbana. And, you know, it's, it, you, the you, way you bring the fullness of yourself as a Filipina person, I think, is just so magnetic. And so I don't have any answers to this, but I'm wondering what would it look like for me? What would it look like for our listeners to show up in that same way, to show up more fully into our leadership as Filipino people? So just a question, mm -hmm. something for us to journal about and maybe think about. But yeah, yeah. it's a great question. And I think Eleanor the question raised by your friend in response to the the, the proverb mm -hmm. right is also illustrating some of the difference between ministry in the philippines versus in the united states because there's an uh, assumption with the proverb that the the komot or or blanket is too mm -hmm. short but all the blankets are that way <laughs> you know that's i think <laughs> right, that's part of right. what's implied by the problem, yeah. you know, and yet mm -hmm. you're happy to have a blanket, right? Now, I'm not saying that that speaks to everything or should be an answer to the scarcity or inequality, but, you know, there is a difference right. in right. what is forming the proverb, the kind of context that gives shape mm -hmm. to this wisdom. And I find that to be really insightful and, and worth acknowledging as well that at the same time, right, there is a way that whether you're under a, a short blanket in the Philippines or you're in a room, the idea of finding God's power through the spirit to do things in a way that is much bigger than ourselves is mm -hmm. so wonderful. I was seeing today that the historian Ambet Ocampo, who is an expert on the life of Jose Rizal, actually just made a discovery in Rizal's journals t today or yesterday that people for a long time had agreed that Jose Rizal was only 4'11". And that was the working assumption for a very long time among historians. And that says a lot because he, being the national hero of the Philippines, you would assume mm -hmm. by his words and legacy that he would be seven feet tall, right? <laughs> sure. But it was discovered in his journal that he was the equivalent of five feet and three inches, mm -hmm. which is still not seven feet tall. And mm -hmm. yet, in so many ways, a giant yes. taking, taking up space, 
if it's on paper taking up space on paper Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and i think that is so rich and um we can really learn a lot from that so thank Mm -hmm. you atelisa for for bringing that proverb to us yeah. May, may I add something on that Absolutely. Uh, thing that uh, what Eleanor was also asking, uh, I think related is we, we need to be who we are. We need to not pretend we're someone else. Mm-hmm. And that that comes through a long journey. You know, either we try to be someone else because that's the only way we, we will be received by others, but how to be authentically who we are. Okay, so that we we don't approach any space with uh, cultural inferiority Mm -hmm. or a cultural uh, arrogance. But I think it has to be a learned cultural confidence. It's cultural poise. You know, I mean, it's, you want to be classy about this. You don't want to be sloppy and just, you know, putting your heart out, carrying them on your sleeves. I mean, you know, with an ax to grind. You know, I mean, if we are secure in who we are and only God can ground us in who we are and we learn to, to discipline ourselves in knowing, okay, this is who I am and I'm gonna trust God to use me for who I am, not somebody else. And God will, the Holy Spirit will enter our lives in a way that is very transformative and very freeing so that I, I don't have to be somebody, someone else, mm-hmm. but I need to just develop who I am and what God has given me and how do I journey as a Filipino-American leader with with confidence that is classy, you know, not bordering on arrogance or anger even. I don't hear well when people are angry, you know. Uh, There's a lot of passion expressed but very little reflection. High on passion, low on reflection. And and I think for for us, and I know, uh, Jay, you wanted me to just share this about uh, the journey that we take. It's a lifetime, you know? So if you feel like I'm not there yet, because you're not there yet, you know? It's a journey that you're taking. And Mm -hmm. with Eleanor and her psychology and the things that you want to do with your internship, Jay, and being a pastor, and all the other listeners, in whatever walk of life, you're always saying, God, thank you that you have given me life. This is who I am. I'm I'm older now, and I forget things, you know, like, oh, you know, just laugh. I mean, you know, even when the volcano erupted, uh, Pinatubo erupted in the Philippines, the Filipinos were so, they pivot, you know, uh, people were bringing out food to sell to the survivors, you would, and they're laughing, you know, mm-hmm. how, how, how can that be when you are devastated by a volcanic eruption? It is the resilience you're talking about, Eleanor. And as a people, I think we have a corporate, uh, a gift of corporate resilience. Uh, the downside to it is we downplay our problem. Hmm. You know, uh, we we don't take it seriously or we don't uh, go deep and investigate and analyze. But uh, as leaders on a journey, it's being able to follow the leader himself, Jesus, being able to articulate what you're leading for being able to really understand who you're leading. After all, Jesus talks about being shepherd to sheep. So that's a picture in our minds, not to give hope, you know, not to take ourselves so seriously. I'm I'm just, you know, I'm a playful kid. I'm always, mm. I end my day with my husband. I said, okay, what's our game? You know, what, what are we gonna play? So mm. we, we shoot, you know, uh, aluminum cans in the in the living room uh, <laughs> with little ner- ner- Nerf guns. So that was in the middle of the pandemic. Come on. I mean, life is too short. Mm. I mean, I am serious about life and my commitment to Jesus. 
But with that is that God has given laughter and playfulness as a gift. And I need to embrace that. I need to, to live fully. If I'm occupying my space, I'm going to bring all that I am into that space. My laughter, my, my seriousness, my, my prophetic edge or whatever it is mm. that God has given. So it, it's, you know, when I became an American citizen, I, I wrote an article about what that meant because I was in tears when the flags were in front of me and uh, other flags and then the U.S. flag was there and uh, I was raising my hand, pledging allegiance to the American flag. I just burst out crying. I said, oh, people think I waited for so long to become an American citizen. Well, that was not the case. I was grieving the fact that I was not pledging allegiance to the Filipino flag. But at mm. the same time, I was pledging allegiance to a higher flag. And this is where I live in three cultures, American culture, Filipino culture, and then the kingdom culture. And I'm always understanding what it means to follow the kingdom culture, which trumps both American and Filipino culture. So I embrace that very seriously. I wanna be the best American, the best Filipino American. So I keep my language, unlike my, my parents who teased, they were in California. Hey, they called, I become an American, we become American citizens. We passed our interview. I said, great, Nanai, great, Tatai. Said we also threw away our rice cooker. I said, no, you mm. can't do that. Of course, they were teasing me. But all to say is that I'm fully American and I fully love my rice cooker. <laughs> Amen. That's good. You know, as I, as I listen to so many of the lessons you're sharing with us, Atelisa, I also, because I, Eleanor and I both know you and we get to talk to you in this moment, I, I can really feel how authentically Filipina and Filipina American, your embodiment of leadership and spiritual leadership are. Because the way that you carry it is what we see in you, what we know in you. And it really resonates for those who know you that what you're saying is something you've really known from experience. I want to make sure we leave you some space to first tell us what your new season looks like. What are your current projects? But also, would you share an exhortation or a word for our listeners? whether they be mostly Filipino-American Christian listeners or Asian-American or simply just folks who will come across this podcast, we would love to open ourselves to how you would speak to us uh, in this season. What am I doing now? I mean, I'm, I'm still busy, like you mentioned, you know, retirement in, in quotes. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, in a... In a um, class. I'm doing a two-year training for spiritual direction with mm -hmm. Leadership Transformations Incorporated called SELA, SELA, specifically SELA Anglican. And so I'm doing spiritual direction, but also as a volunteer within a varsity, that's what I will be doing. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's like a spiritual doula, a mm -hmm. midwife. You, you, you know, and the birth is what you're after, is what the goal is, the birth of a truth in a person's life mm. the holy spirit is there to make that happen but you're just there to coach you're you you're not doing the breathing and the not breathing you know it's it's the relaxing you're there to listen with someone and wait for the spirit of god to birth a truth that is mm. needed for that person's life so that's wow. that's a, a picture that i have there's more that i'm learning but that that one kind of stuck with me I think it's important that we are deeply aware of how big and wide and deep God's love is for us. Hmm. I think that is very core and central 
to all the things that we do or don't do because our, all our insecurities we bring to the cross, you know, we bring to God and mm. all the things that we are angry about, all the things that either we did or done to us. I think a life that is um, traveling light, you know, in mm. Hebrews, uh, run the race. In the olden days, they run naked so that they can travel light. And how wonderful it would be if in our journey we'll travel light, not just the physical things. I'm trying to dispose of things, you know, and give them away, mm -hmm. but also spiritually forgiving people, not bearing grudges. And, and Filipinos, in some way, we are too sensitive, you know, and our amor propio is, is uh, mm -hmm. offended very quickly. And then we, we, um, hold that grudge for so long, family after family, generation after generation. I mean, as a leader, we need to lead as a runner who runs naked or as stripped as you can be, because that's the only way we can run mm -hmm. the race. When our eyes fix on Jesus, and then with this cloud of witnesses, that's mm -hmm. a picture I want is, I like people cheering me on. I don't want to run alone. I want somebody to say, doing mm. well, you're going to make it, you know? So we need to be that to one another. And hopefully this podcast is part of that cloud of witnesses that, uh, that is telling others on the journey, come on, you're not alone. You're going to make it. Mm. There's water ahead, you know? that hope uh, on our journey, even going and having gone through this difficult two years, you know, there is, there is that hope that we can hold on to. Wonderful. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. Could we ask you, Atilisa, to pray a blessing over all who would listen to this? Mm, sure. My honor. I'm going to try and pray in Tagalog. Panginoon, salamat sa pagkakataon na makapag-usap kami ni Jay at ni Eleanor. Panginoon, dinadalangin ko na lahat ng nakikinig or makikinig sa future, sa podcast na ito, ay tutulungan mo makita nila ang, ang layunin mo sa kanilang buhay. Na sila ay magiging uh, loyal at tapat sa iyong uh, layunin sa kanila na sila ay hindi manghihina o madidiscourage. So hmm. Panginoon, ang aming samo at dalangin ay kagaya ng sa Hebrews na kami ay tatakbo. Na alam namin kung ano ang aming pupuntahan, kung ano ang aming direksyon, kung ano ang hmm. aming goal na si Jesus himself. No. So, Panginoon, tulungan mo kaming lahat na lumakad at tumakbo ng ayon sa iyong layunin at kaaya-aya sa iyong harapan. Hmm. So, Father, we just pray that you will bless this uh, podcast uh, to those who are listening and those who will listen in the future, that this will be a source of encouragement, that together as a community of Filipino-Americans here and abroad, we will run that race with confidence because of who we are running to. Jesus, our goal, that we will know how to travel light hmm. as your people, embracing what's good in our culture, what's good in American culture, but at the same time, trumping them all with a kingdom culture that is higher and above all. Hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Centering, the Asian American Christian Podcast. This episode was produced by Jason Chu and edited by Alexander Cathedral with music by Mark Redito. Please join us again next week or browse our archives on your favorite podcast directory. And above all else, we want to remind you that God embraces all of who you are.